I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I was convinced like I'm never going to hear from him again. And my husband was like, he could not sit on that for the rest of his life and not message you. Like, how could you learn something like that and not have any questions at at the very least? Hello, welcome to Figuring Out 30. This is the podcast exploring the chaos, the confusion and clarity that comes with life in our 30s. I'm Bridget Huswake. Great to be back with you. And this episode, my gosh, this is such a wild story about a lovely girl that I know from Ballarat who at the age of 31 made a huge family discovery thanks to a life-changing ancestry DNA test. So we're going to be hearing from podcaster Tess Griffin in a moment, but for those who join me last week I am pleased to start with the good news that yes tickets were secured tickets were secured she's going to Taylor Swift first time seeing her since 2009 and a huge shout out to my friend who is also from Ballarat Katie she made this happen because I like millions of people were trying to get tickets seriously there was like four million people trying to secure tickets last week and it was just so hard I can't even explain like uh, unless you were part of it you will know how ridiculous it was I had no luck at all in getting through to the Ticketech queue in the pre-sale for the general sale for Taylor Swift's Errors Tour but yeah my friend Katie had the magic touch and I actually don't know many people who got more than one ticket I have at least three friends who could only snap up a single ticket so Katie had asked me to join her and our friend Jess in Sydney so make it a little weekend trip and yeah she ended up getting through to the Sydney pre-sale so she got three tickets there which was so amazing we got C Reserve, very excited. And then I was also planning on going with Oscar's sisters for a Melbourne show. Really want to experience it at the MCG. So we were aiming for the Friday night. Um, Ruby and I were trying for the Melbourne pre-sale. And Katie was like, hey, I'll leave my tab open for you in case it, you know, goes through, um, in case me and Ruby had no luck. But I don't know. I was feeling kind of confident. And I was like, oh, that's nice of you. You don't have to do that. Thank God she didn't listen to me and still kept her tab up because about two, nearly two hours into that pre-sale for Melbourne, my screens were just not changing. It was just, I'm, I feel like so many people are going to be forever haunted by that Ticketek um, page of the dark blue bar bouncing left and right and just, yeah, so much trauma. But yeah, nearly two hours into that pre-sale, Katie calls me and I see her, her name pop up on my phone screen. And when I saw it, I was like, you're joking. Like I knew she's calling to tell me that she got through again. And yeah, she's like, I got through to Melbourne. What do you need? So I gave her my card details and she got those tickets for um, me and Ruby and Sasha and Laura. And I just don't know anyone else who was this successful getting through. Um, We both know how lucky we are and I'm so grateful. So big shout out to Katie, big shout out to anyone who got a ticket. And also I will say for anyone who didn't get a ticket and your Devo, just just remember 
that you can do the ticker tech that what ticker tech are doing i think it's in september go on their website for more info but they are going to be launching a fan to fan resale so you can buy tickets from another fan they've done a really good job of like nutting out the bots for the scalpers and all that shit and the people who are selling the tickets they can't mark them up more than 10 percent of cost price um and i feel like you'd be pretty like i don't feel like anyone will be marking them up such a dog thing to do like to make profit off a ticket um so keep an eye out on that and also i know tixel tixel it's t-i-x-e-l a reliable platform to buy tickets from as well so those are some options for people who missed out it's just crazy how many people wanted to go to this tour and you know rightfully so but I'm I'm so excited that I get to see Taylor in an arena for the first time despite how uh, anxiety inducing last week was and also unproductive like in terms of work because I was just glued to that ticket screen for hours and I also had some tv moments your girl was on the cheap seats on channel 10 I was talking about the Eras tour I love that show so much Mel and Tim is so funny and so lovely and I was also on the today show um, twice two mornings in a row talking to Richard Wilkins about the tour and that was really cool. And Carl Stefanovic jumped in at the end and he said, I'm a very cool person. But then he was like asking how I could be talking about Taylor when I work at Triple J. And I was like, um, mate, I quit. And he loved that. But he's a fake fan because he said that he listens to me. And I was like, well, you clearly haven't tuned in this year, my guy. Like, keep up, Carl. But <laughs> it was cool. Like, it was cool that he knew who I was. Anyway, let's get stuck into this episode. And yeah, let me tell you, when I heard this story, I just knew that I had to get you across it. So I want to put this question to you. Have you ever made any big family discoveries as an adult? You're about to hear an amazing story that really brings out all emotions, right? Like sadness and grief, um, but also joy and hope. And it's coming from Tess Griffin, who is a Ballarat girl like me. She's the host of the Interview podcast, which is all about exploring the human experience through deep conversations that, yeah, highlight hard truths and, and triumphs of everyday people. And it's so interesting because Tess provides this platform for people to tell their stories, but behind the scenes, she was finding out some pretty big stuff about her own family, about the dad that she never got to know and the grandfather she never knew. Not only that, the grandfather who never knew he had not only a granddaughter in Tess, but a son. And it's all thanks to a life-changing ancestry DNA test that Tess has found her grandpa and she's 31 years old. Like crazy life-changing family stuff going down. That is all I'm going to say. We're going to hear the story firsthand from Tess Griffin. So let's get into it. Tess, welcome to Figuring Out 30. Yay. Thank you, Bridget. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. Like I said before, I'm such a fan. and Ditto. Yeah. And like, it's so fun to be a guest on someone else's podcast. Yeah. Is it weird for you because you're so used to interviewing and I'm so used to interviewing. So it, it, I think it's scarier being on your end right now. Totally. Totally. Because <laughs> today I was like, I don't know what, I mean, I knew what we were going to talk about, but yeah. I don't know what she's going to ask. And I, it's, it's nice for me to know what my guest's 
feel like each week, you know, like have a bit of perspective. Yeah, perspective and it's like a newfound sense of empathy too, right? Totally, <laughs> totally, which I always think I have plenty of, but no, yeah. because really I'm like, don't don't worry about it, don't be stressed, but it is kind of scary. Yeah, and especially when it's a really personal topic, which, you know, I'm so grateful that you're going to be um, opening up. You have done so in your own podcast, the interview, but um, for you to kind of just sit back and tell your story as if you're being interviewed. So, and yeah, this is a really exciting one because it's something family related, which is, you know, a topic that I really wanted to tackle. Cause I think we're just saying like off air, I suppose, how, um, how huge family stuff can really affect you and how you adult, how you parent, how you navigate life in your thirties. So we'll get into all of that. But the first question I guess is what made you want to do an ancestry DNA test? Oh yeah. So it is a bit of a long winded answer, but in a nutshell, we got time. <laughs> good, good, good. So what the real beginning reason I would say is my father commit suicide when he was 21 and I was three. And some of the items that I have um, from him, like he used to write poetry and um, some letters and all different little things. And so because there's only a few things that I have, we really cherish those. And me just being the person that I am, I read into everything and want to know everything. And it kind of kills me that social media wasn't around back then. And all of that. And one of the poems was um, about him not knowing who his dad was. And that was a huge grievance in his life. And I mean, if, you know, you could imagine not having any idea who your father was and thinking it was out of this person or this person and feeling rejected and being actually rejected by who you thought was your father, all of that kind of thing. And I've had conversations over the years with so many people in his family, in his life. And so many different, oh, I've had, you know, this person's convinced there is dad and this person definitely was. And Wow. So you're getting multiple people who had speculation that it could be all sorts of people who could be your dad's dad. Yeah. And wow. like one of them even went out of their way to message me like last year and be like, yeah, these are the similarities we had. And I'm, you know, eating up every word because I don't, again, don't have much information. So I want to know everything. Um, but oh, how can I shorten this? I guess um, not me not knowing who my grandfather was, then not growing up with a father myself mm. and not knowing him well, you know, as a three-year-old, I don't know, he was only 21, don't know him well. And then becoming a parent myself just kind of full circle. I'm like, this is just so unfair that I can't even say to my children, like, this is who your grandfather, you know, your great grandfather is, or like, it's just really frustrating for me. And did you feel um, like it was kind of consuming you? Like, were you thinking about it on the daily? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, this is a little bit like rogue, but I would watch, um, <laughs> this is us. I don't know if you've ever watched that. Or talk me through the storyline. I'm not good with titles of like it's, series. Um, it's got Mandy Moore in it and it's kind of like one of those ones where it goes, it's back and forth through like now and then past, oh. present, future. Yes, 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 yes. Really, yeah. really good. So I think I watched that oh, a year or two ago and there is a storyline in there about, oh, well, he's adopted but he goes looking for his, you know, people that he's related to in his family and finding out anything he can. So that kind of triggered it and then I went to, um, last year I went to a funeral of one of the men who I thought might be my dad's dad and I had no relationship with him and I just thought I'll go along and pay my respects because this must be the end of the line. I'm never going to know. And at that funeral I had all these different family members saying, oh, no, he wasn't your grandfather. I reckon it was someone who 
was boarding with your grandmother at the time. And I was like, this is brand new information. Like, wow. Who, you know, I didn't even know that was a thing, but apparently back in the day, it was common for people that were studying to come and stay in Ballarat, for example, and board in people's houses. And like my grandmother would have gotten paid for it. Um, she'd cook and clean for them, all of that. And so that evening I did my ancestry. I went online, ordered the test, got the test within a week, did the test, sent it away. And they say about six weeks and um, it, they came back in about four weeks. Wow. Okay. So quickly, just going back to the the poem stuff. So the specific poem that your dad wrote about wanting to know who his dad was. How old was he when he wrote that? It was in 1990. So it was a year before I was born. So maybe Women like 17 or something like that, 16 or 17. Wow. Um, how crazy and special for you though to have like these, it's like <laughs> I always tend to reference things to Taylor Swift, how she drops <laughs> Easter eggs, but you had like your own Easter eggs of your dad, like to have these things that could kind of help you, I, I guess, help you piece things together. Mm-hmm. For him to write a poem about his dad, fucking yeah. hell. Yeah, and I mean. So well, when did you get this stuff? Like when did you get it? Um, well, see, I didn't even know this whole story about how my dad died until I was about 18 or 19. So right. I knew, obviously knew he wasn't dead, but I didn't were know. You, sorry to interrupt. I've got fucking so many questions, Seth. <laughs> but like were you? when did you start asking about him? Like were you asking about him in primary school and high school or were you being like or when did you want more information? I found his death certificate um, and his place of death was in Heidelberg. Oh. And I remember I was about, yeah, 18 or 19 and I was like, well, why would it be in Heidelberg? Like I just, I had my assumptions and then it was realised later he was transferred to Heidelberg Hospital, um, like airlifted there um, and put on life support. So that was when, what prompted me to ask my my mum, like what happened? I'm so confused. Like, you know, and I think I found some of his letters as well. So Thankfully for me, he was much like me. I love writing poetry and writing everything down and capturing things. But yeah, that really prompted me to ask those questions. But yeah, I'm so lucky to have things like the poetry and and we'll get into it later. But me reading that poem to Barry, like mind blowing, just crazy. Yeah, I yeah, I'm so excited to hear more about that. So you okay, so you've done the test. So what's the process for people who have never looked at that? You put in your details, like how do they like are you pricking blood? Like what what's going on? Like how does this shit work? <laughs> oh my god, I love telling people this. Um so you get a tube and you have to spit in the tube and oh. it has a line and it's like spit all the way up to, you know, here or whatever. It has to be first thing in the morning or before you've eaten or brushed your teeth or anything like that. So funny because someone said to my husband so what they spat in the same tube <laughs> not quite <laughs> no 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 and so they use that um saliva to put onto their database and get my dna from that and then anyone else who's on the database and i mean i couldn't even tell you how many hundreds of thousands millions billions of people are on there that's how they kind of concoct you know whoever's on that database who you're related to who you share dna with um it's got on there where all of my DNA is, what it's made up of, like where I'm from, where my ancestors were from. Wow. It's really, really cool. I mean, I don't want to, I've been saying like I'm not a an ambassador for Ancestry, unless they want to pay me, of course. But um, Yeah, um, <laughs> let's get that sponsor. Yeah, but I, um, I mean, if you've got family secrets and stuff, I don't know if it's always going to be a positive thing, but it's cool if you're curious about your ethnicity and all of that as well yeah wow so you you do the spitty thing when you were doing all this were you like there's no way this is going to come back and show were you at all skeptical I was definitely not thinking I'm going to find my grandfather 
Definitely not. So what I, another reason, which I forgot to mention at the funeral, I was asking about our ethnicity and heritage and, um, you know, my dad's side of the family, we all have the exact same eyes, really thick eyebrows. I was born with black hair. We all have dark hair. And Sam's always like, I wonder where you're from, or I wonder what it is. And I was asking around and one person said Aboriginal. And then another person said something else. And so I was like, well, if I'm Aboriginal, I want to know, like, I, again, never I'm going to be able to find out the answer to these questions. So that was actually my main reason for doing the test because at least I was like, you know, this will be able to tell me what my DNA is made up of and then I can share that with my kids. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you get the results back. You remember when you got them? Was it like so an email comes through? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, so everything – you know, comes through via email to let you know if you've, you know, matched or anything like that. But it just said your your results are in. And Was so, it like at night time? Yeah, evening time, right as we were putting the kids to bed. And I was like, oh, my God. So random. <laughs> so random. And I thought I had another two weeks to wait. Like it was for around four weeks that I waited. And I was, you know, I opened it up on my laptop so I could see, you know, the world map and it was telling me everything. And I was like, Oh my God, this is none of, none of the, the things that people said. I'm not Aboriginal. I'm not anything that anyone said. Just, you know, boring stuff like, where are we all from? Um, Scotland, Europe, all of that, you know. <laughs> the basic now, UK. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of Sweden and Denmark, but yeah. nothing interesting. But I did click on, you know, matches and then there was the highest match um, pops up. You know, it comes kind of in order and it'll set, go all the way up to like, eighth cousin, ninth cousin, things like that. But Barry was my top match. And um, wow. at the time I just thought, I don't, you know, he didn't have a profile picture. You click on it and then it kind of tells you how much DNA you share. And when I clicked on our match, it said a 93% match. And underneath that it says um, for grandparent, uh, you know, grandfather, grandmother, aunt, uncle or sibling, like that's how much DNA we shared. And I was like, wow, this is weird. Like that's a, that's a huge percentage. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of popped into my head. Back when we were younger, my mum would ask my dad's mum, who is, who is the dad? Can you just tell me, you know, after my dad died, you know, for your grandchildren, for my kids so they know who their grandparent was. And once she said offhandedly, it's not that Barry, it's another Barry. And my mum has always said that to us, like, oh, she, you know, I don't know what she's talking about. Like, I don't even know who this other Barry would be. And it's like instantly I was like, oh, my God, this happened. You immediately thought of that. Yeah, this is the other Barry. So I messaged him straight away um, and I reckon it was about an hour, an hour and a half before he wrote back. But in short, I said to him, you know, my name is Tess. I'm from Ballarat, Victoria. My father's name was Aaron. He unfortunately died in this year. I I think maybe if I've, you know, we might be related and I'd love to explore how, let me know if he'd like to chat. And he wrote back pretty much straight away and he was like, oh, you know, interesting test. Like I don't know of any Griffins because that's my married name, you know, in my family tree or whatever. Tell yeah. me more about yourself. And so I kind of went <laughs> into more detail and I gave him like the year that I thought he stayed in Ballarat and studied here and was boarding with my grandmother. Um the year my dad died, the year he was born, um, had to sort of tell him like, unfortunately, my dad's no longer alive. I think you might be my grandfather. And I, I, you know, if, if you think that all of this is lining up, I'd love to chat with you on the phone. 
And he just – Were you just shit- – were you shitting yourself? Yeah, I was sitting right <laughs> – Like heart, doof, doof, doof. My heart is actually racing now just every time I retell the story. Yeah, and I was sitting here with my husband Sam and he's helping me write it. He's like, no, 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 say it like this or say it like this because we're like, we don't want to scare him away, you know? I will – yeah, it's it's a lot of information to just put on something. And also I just want to note like how crazy that he had also like – you know spat into a, a tube or whatever like the fact that he was even on the website as well like what are the chances so crazy and also like he'd had done his in 2019 and there was a sale on dna tests you know they do them all the time wow. i didn't get mine on sale but they do <laughs> do them all the time and he's just as we've learned he's a very curious person like me so he loves to know the ins and outs of things and his mum was one of 16 children so like 16 yeah so <laughs> he's like I've got cousins everywhere which is probably why yeah. I've got so many on there um yeah but yeah he wasn't very excited by that message and he pretty much wrote back this is a shock and it's very upsetting and I do not wish to continue this conversation please respect this and that was just that how did you take that I was so like so upset were you yeah because I and then I thought oh my god why did I do this like now I know he's alive he lives in Victoria he didn't say I don't know what you're talking about who's Aaron I've never lived in Ballarat he didn't say anything like that he just said I don't want to talk to you basically and that kind of says it all right so I went to work the next day and I was telling my father-in-law who's similar age to him and he's like oh he's guilty of sin like you know he's not denying anything he's just saying I don't want to deal with this like this is not you know to be fair a huge shock for him but at that time I was like did he have an affair on his wife like did he well you think of so many scenarios right because there's so much that you don't know yeah I understood, but I also was like, gosh, I wish he wasn't so abrupt or maybe just a little bit more open to, you know, getting to know me. And so I think it was two or three days before I heard from him again. And I was convinced, like, I'm never going to hear from him again. And my husband was like, he could not sit on that for the rest of his life and not message you. Like, how could you learn something like that and not have any questions at at the very least? Yeah. So he did message me after telling his wife um, and kind of talking through it with her. And she was like, you can't leave this poor girl hanging like that. Like, that's not very fair. I know you, you know, shocked and we all are, but you, you could at least see if she has any questions or something like that. So he, re- mm-hmm. he came back to me and said, you know, I apologize for being so abrupt and, you know, I'm willing to hear your side. And, you know, I've had a couple of days to process and obviously you can, as you can imagine, it's a huge shock. So he just kind of left the floor open for me. He, I think he was kind of trying to gauge like what my intentions were, right? what I wanted from this, which I've heard lots of stories of reactions being similar to that or people thinking, you know, they want money from me or they want something from me. So I was very conscious of letting him know, like, we're really good people. We're hard workers. We don't want anything from you. I've just always wanted to know. And I, my dad always wanted to know. And I was like, I have proof. I have poems. I have, you know, like, it's obviously very sad the way he died, but I know that this was a huge thing for him. And it would just be so huge for me to kind of, we always say like, find the missing puzzle piece, like just, you know, tie that up in a bow and know the answers. Once I replied to him, he was like, you know, I feel much more comfortable to be open with you and have a safe call. space. <laughs> yeah, I think once he realized that I wasn't scary and I wasn't coming for him and I wasn't trying to ruin his life. And I did say, I'm not trying to ruin your life. Like, I'm so sorry. I, I can imagine this is a huge shock. Yeah. And we'd been like 
Facebook stalking in the obviously as our generation <laughs> does <laughs> and it's funny like he you know he's 68 69 he um he's like oh we've all been stalking you guys as well and I'm like good because we've been doing the same thing naturally um and he was a radio host for 25 years and like there's just so many yeah like I'm not a radio host but we have we both you know present at gigs yeah. and so many similarities but um yeah so Soon after that, we had a phone call maybe that weekend. What was it like hearing his voice? So weird. Like I, yeah. I'd already kind of stalked his like radio show and listened to it. I'm like, if this is him, you know. But I still, <laughs> before that phone call, I didn't have confirmation that, yes, he was here. Yes, he was with my grandmother at some point. And he was just very upfront and open. And said, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You know, I did have a casual thing with her. I was 17 at the time. There were other young people living in the house and she was married with children, my my dad's older siblings. So it was like quite a bizarre situation. So hang on. So she, so your grandma was having an affair? Yeah. So she was. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, she was sleeping with the boarders that were staying in her house. Right. Yeah. And if, sorry, if this is too sensitive, you don't have to answer. Is she still alive? Yes. You don't have contact with her or? Oh, I've, I have tried to make contact with her when I was on my journey after watching This Is Us. Um, and I have seen her, but um, it's just really hard. She's not a very upfront person. And, and you I can't did force pro- it, which, is, you know. No. And I did contact her when I first found Barry that first night and she just she yeah she was talking in circles she never admitted anything and kind of acted like oh I don't know what you mean like that's impossible but I mean it's obviously not (laughs) (laughs) and Barry didn't say he wasn't like that's impossible like no they know each other and yeah so he literally was staying here my dad was conceived and then born and then Barry left so he was he was actually living in the house on my dad was born and didn't know it was his kid no that's a yes. lot yeah so um and like I said before he was 17 he's like I wasn't I saw you know I saw there was another baby in the house he's like I, it just none of that was registering to you me know like questions boys don't think no. about that shit <laughs> no he's like we're underage drinking and you know you, you go to TAFE and then you go to the pub and like that's that and he's like I left Ballarat and I never thought about anyone from there ever again and so then I message him how, you know, well, my dad would have been 50 in March, February, March. Yeah, 50 years later, you know, it's just such a long time to get this kind of news and not know that that was his son mm. and that he, this whole other world exists. So Yeah, well, on that, like I'm really kind of keen to hone in a bit on, I guess, the the aspect the grief aspect because you've both experienced it in different ways. For you it's been pretty much like an ongoing thing, right? You've been grieving, not having a dad throughout your whole life. He hasn't, Barry hasn't had this knowledge. And as you said, you know, like all these years later, he realizes that he had a son. 
he's never met his well he I mean technically he kind of did in the way that baby was in the house but like (laughs) he didn't you know know and then your dad Aaron took his own life so I mean do you want to talk through like your grief and and maybe what it was like to learn about Barry's grief because that would have been pretty next level yeah and something he's been really transparent about is like how hard it is to connect and grieve someone that you never met you know yeah. and to try and find ways to for I mean even for myself to be honest like I I met my dad knew my dad for three years but as like my daughter's almost three like as a three-year-old you don't remember no so it's really hard to grieve someone who you didn't know very well and is it kind of like a sense of like imposter syndrome in a way a little bit because sometimes it's like feels a little bit like well what are you why are you so sad about I don't know no one's ever said that but yeah but I do think like to myself like Tess why are you so sad about this but I think the older I'm getting personally the more grief I feel Mm. and the more grief I feel for myself Mm -hmm. um like I said my daughter's almost three same age that I was when he died I mean the obsession that she has with her dad and then if he were to just not be here anymore like it's very real for me since I became a parent and just because I am the kind of person that's curious and I'm empathetic and I want to know as much as I can and it it makes me really sad and obviously there is a part of Barry and I both that were like if he knew that there was someone this incredible out there would things be different and you know no one can answer that question, but I guess because we have those poems and we have the knowledge from so many people that did know him, it's hard not to think like that. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, with mental health, there's, you know, not much you can do to change someone's state of mind. But I think that's the grief that we both share and we both constantly talk about that. And we were just talking about it this week, you know, what drives a person to that place and how upsetting it is to know that that's someone that we are both connected by and they were so young and to be feeling so much pain and do that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a really weird kind of grief for myself mm. personally and I can only imagine for Barry and what he shares with me. It's hard for him to connect but he tries to do it via other things, through me, through my children, through finding people that might have known him. My dad was actually on a ship um for what do they call like delinquent boys that were in trouble with the law and you can know you could go to, to juvie for three months or you could go and work on this ship for however many weeks and um he wrote a poem about the first mate which is oh. you know, the, the, the boss and um Barry tracked him down he's in his wow. 80s now wow he's and, still kicking on yeah and read him the poem and he remembered my dad and he's like yeah you know the last time I spoke with Aaron he said I've, I've had a baby girl and oh um, wow and I'm like that's me that's so me. <laughs> yeah so I would love to chat with people that um have maybe <laughs> experienced something similar but yeah being so young it is it's weird to grieve and hard to grieve yeah. someone Well, you grieve like what could have been, I suppose. And for you, it was like being raised by a dad. And then for Barry, it's for him, for him to raise a son. Like, it's just wild. And then, yeah, what you said about, you know, seeing it through a different lens for you as a parent. And I guess as you grow up, yeah, you do kind of obviously understand 
the concept of grief and the concept of death way more and yeah that natural intrigue to know more about you know one of your parents it's just so intense so okay you've met wait have we we've met no we've had the phone call yes we've obviously met Barry but how did that happen (laughs) so it was very very soon after that phone call I think the next weekend he was like look he lives about three and a half hours away and um he's like look my wife Di and I would love to come down and meet you and my brother Matt um so they were my only sorry my dad's only children myself and my brother and um he's like you know we'd love to come down and meet you guys and I think just to make it feel more real for everybody and make sure everybody's you know not crazy or you know whatever (laughs) and um it was so amazing like we just met up around the lake at Piper's you're from Ballarat so you know his wife died like she has been so incredible you know it this will all happen before they'd even met and they met when they were like soon after like 18 or 19 Mm. but um just the way that she has handled this and been so she's so invested and she's like you know they're my grandchildren too and so sweet so sweet so when we met them they both just made they made me feel super comfortable and just like it just felt like we'd always known each other and Mm. I bought you know baby albums and pictures and we were telling stories and I guess the biggest thing for them was I'd already been telling everyone in my life. I was like, guess what happened? Like I did this DNA <laughs> test and he doesn't want to talk to me and now he does. And, you know, this, <laughs> like I'm telling everyone that anyone that will listen and they're like, how are we going to tell our kids? So they've got three children. So he's got this whole other life that he's created in the yeah. meantime. And like it, it, I've come to find out that it is true, but looking from the outside in on Facebook and social media, they look like this picture-perfect family and they Fully are. Yeah. <laughs> they are. And um, that was like something for me where I was like I, I'm a little bit nervous about that because I feel like I'm going to blow it up or I'm going to be like, All right, here's the crazy people or here's the, the, the not-so-perfect part. And, you know, there was different reactions, but mostly like – all positive. Like I can't believe how well everybody took it and everyone is so excited about it now and they their ages range from like they're 36, 42 and 45. Wow. And so my dad would have been 50 um, and like my mum's 48. So like it's so weird because like my oldest auntie is a couple of years younger than my mum and like one of my youngest auntie is a couple of years older than me and yeah we've had the chance to meet all of my cousins who range from like a couple of months old to 13 years old and so like once we did that first catch up and then everyone knew and everyone was told we've had many 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 catch-ups since then oh, it's so great like it's just yeah it's such a full-on story but the way in which it's ended and I mean it's obviously still continuing but the fact that you can come together and be part of his family and he's like fully him and I've taken you and your family and it's just exactly like it's best case scenario right like yeah and yeah I mean it doesn't happen to everyone but it's just so amazing that you get to experience this do you think though like do you reckon at any point um upon all of this discovery that Barry like or maybe even you like was do you reckon he would have experienced a bit of like an identity crisis because it would you know bring about things that where you would yeah question things about yourself and like you know, what is my life? Like, Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think so for him. And I mean, for me, it's been super positive because I've always um, yearned for something like this or mm. just that relationship and wanting more and wanting to know more. And now I've been given like this abundance of amazing people who are all like, 
yes, we want to be around you and we love you and we want to be you to be a part of our family and a part of everything. Mm -hmm. For him, I think um, he's mentioned a lot, I guess to his generation, he's like was worried that people would gravitate towards the salacious side of things and maybe think that he was not so great of a person or made bad choices or there's not been one person that either of us have encountered that have been like, oh, geez, what were you doing or what were you thinking or no, everyone is just like, you know, how lucky are you guys that yeah. you, A, found each other, both did the test, both like each other and get along so well because that's another thing. Like we could have met and it been like crickets and like a little bit awkward. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's never been like that. And yeah. um, I've said a couple of times that we have so much in common and I've never met a man who's almost 70 who's so like caring and empathetic and yeah, he's so like considerate and he's like, how does your mum feel about this? Is she okay with us having this conversation? And what does your husband Sam think about it? Does he feel okay about it all? And how does your mum feel about it? She feels, I'm really proud of her. She is so happy. She's like, your dad would have been so happy and she's been yeah. brought the tears many times. She's like, he that's all he ever wanted. Like he just so much for to her too, because you know, she obviously, you know, you were three, but like she was <laughs> Oh, much yeah. older like when he yeah. did take his life and like yeah it would bring upon so much for her yeah and a huge impact on her life forever yeah, forever um, forever and so to have a positive outcome out of all of it I think that that's what we all hold on to because it, it, it is such a sad story but mm. this is just such anyone that knew him is like he would be so happy with this outcome yeah. and it's so nice to hear that. I want you to um, t- talk through the moment w- at Bell's Beach because I think that's just like the perfect, if you made this shit a movie, like that's the happy ending before <laughs> yeah. we roll into the credits. So do you yeah. mind touching on, on that day, what it was and, and what it meant? Yeah, so I wasn't there on that day but my, like I mentioned, my dad's birthday in March, I said March or February but it was March, he would have been 50 and like I said, Barry's been trying to connect in any way he can. And he's like, you know, I think it would mean a lot for me to go to Bells Beach. And that's where my father's um, ashes were spread at Bells Beach. So he went there, they played some of the songs that were played at his funeral, him and Di, they sat on the beach and just like let the waves, you know, kind of come up and wash over them and took a picture of him and some flowers and dropped them in the ocean. And he says, you know, like, if there was no connection or message, there was a message in the fact that he's like there was no water coming up and then all of a sudden we're putting on this all stuff in the water and we get washed <laughs> out. So, um, yeah, it's really special and nice for him to do that because, you know, those things are things that I, while I'm curious and intrigued, I've just never thought to ask what songs were played at his funeral or where exactly on Bell's Beach were his ashes spread because it's because it's such a hard topic to bring up. You don't want to open old wounds and make people feel sad. Trigger people. But he's had yeah. such a delicate way of doing it and a beautiful way of doing it. And also people are like, yeah, fair enough. You want to know, like you've just learned about what do you son. need? What do you need? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm getting all this information from him, which is so nice, but yeah, so beautiful of them to do that and really special. Oh, it's so special. Like when I heard you talking about it and I'll put the link um, in the show notes of this episode to that episode that you had with Barry on the interview because just hearing him hearing him talk, you, you, you're you like chatting to each other. It's just absolutely remarkable stuff. Tess, I want to ask you, and again, this is something that we mentioned before we hit record, but 
in terms of family dynamic and things that we do figure out, especially at this age, you know, we're in our early 30s and I feel like we do see it a lot with people our age, you know, who were born into such hardships and you manage to break the cycle. Like there's a real desire to break the cycle when it comes to generational trauma um, and say, you know what, like this ends with me. And for you as a mother, like this is not something that I'm going to pass on to my children. Like Mm -hmm. it ends, it stops. Like I'm not doing that. Um, And that could be in terms of how you regulate your emotions. Um, If you want to go into attachment styles and schemas and all that kind of (laughs) stuff, going to therapy. Was that ever um, front of mind for you? I guess not only throughout your life, um, but throughout this journey of discovery where you just were thinking of your children and how you just, you know, you don't want to pass on any trauma to them. Like how important has that been to you? Oh my goodness. It's so funny that you say that and about therapy because I just had a therapy session this week and I was talking about exactly that. And like the fears that I have for my children are things that happen to me or I experience that are so far from the world that my kids live in and the circumstances they live in and the environment that they're in and the people that they're around. Um, But it's something that's still very much like I was saying to her, it's like it's simmering away in the background all the time. Of course. And um, yeah, it's such a huge thing for me. Like breaking the cycle, you know, even if you've had the perfect upbringing, you know, there's there's always things you want to do differently, whether it's communication, like you said, or your relationships with certain people in your family. But for me, there's been a lot of dysfunction still to this day, you know, family relationships are all over the place. And I just, I, I hope that I can give them a little bit more stability or just knowing that this will always be here. I will always be here. And it's not, there's nothing that can change that. I think the unconditional love is, doesn't matter what you do or what happens or who says what, you know, we are a unit, we stay the same mm-hmm. and my love is the same. And I think that that's something that I would have loved to have had as well. I hope that makes sense. I don't know yeah, if that makes no, sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Because, I mean, did you feel like, and this is not me trying to be like a little probie therapist kind of person, but like <laughs> did you ever feel like a sense of abandonment or guilt growing up because your dad, you know, is at such an early age for you but like I guess when you started to be more curious and stuff did you because naturally I think kids immediately fear anything surrounding them that's negative they'll blame themselves did you kind of go through that I think when I was a kid I I I wished I I wished I hit that he was there but I didn't know any different and it wasn't front of mind ever really of course you know Father's Day would roll around or I um, have spoken a lot on my podcast about the different difficult traumatic experiences I've been through with um, domestic violence and different partners that my mum had. So of course, I'm always wishing that, you know, it was my own dad around. Um, But it wasn't until I found that death certificate, found out the story when I was 18, 19, where I really, yeah, I really started to question all of that and wondered why. It's so hard when it comes to um, suicide, because, you know, it's such a taboo topic you know, not to blame yourself or not to think what if this or what if, you know, the circumstances were different, would he still be here? And um, yeah, I I definitely have felt abandonment issues and have abandonment issues. And I still think, you know, I'm worried that people or I'm worried relationships will sever and never Mm. be the same again. I think that that's where that Mm. comes from. Yeah. It's fair enough though. Like it's such a natural thing, you know, a natural thought process and a natural fear 
Coming out of all this and sharing your story on your own podcast, what are the responses been like? Have you had have you actually had people reach out with similar stories or who have opened up to you about their own, yeah, family experience, family dynamic? Has that really surprised you? Yeah. I mean, the feedback that we've had has just been so incredible, surpassed anything that I thought it would. I thought, you know, people will find this interesting and if it were me, I'd want to listen. Like I want to know, you know, that's the kind of story. That's the kind of story I'm around for. And I love, you know, podcasts. But um Barry and I were just chatting yesterday and he's like, I still get people coming up to me every day, like, I listen to your podcast. It was awesome. And just was the perfect way to tell that story. But I definitely have had messages from people either saying like do you think that I'd be able to find my cousin or whoever we've probably prompted people to yeah go and seek answers for themselves and they may have not thought it was a thing that they could do yeah and I've had a couple of people who have lost a parent to suicide and have a similar you know I don't know that side of the family or I don't know this and it's it's hard because I don't I want to be like yes go and do it but I also I'm like just you know be cautious that it, it doesn't always work out this way and I'm really yeah. aware of that like I've got really lucky and honestly like if it ended after that first message with Barry I would have been dis- like distraught and never spoken about it again um but I definitely have had so many amazing messages and people just kind of opening up and sharing you know their different stories everyone's got something and like especially family secrets are a huge thing from generations ago as everyone knows you know lots of people were raised you know in the house that was like their sister but it was their mom or you know if you weren't married you weren't allowed to have a baby and so there's lots of things that can come from that I feel like this is the age where so many people find stuff out too and it could be as a result of a death a recent death or even a death that happened decades ago like just the shit that you can yeah find out and I guess it it goes into the topic of closure as well like it's just an ongoing thing but um this is just like such a like I'm so stoked for you like such a great result um and thank you so much for sharing it too I want to finish on something a bit more general I guess uh uh, from your experience in your 30s what's something that you're still trying to figure out <laughs> like oh. this could be something that's it could be trivial like I always tell people like for me I'm still kind of you know learning how to curl my hair and all of that but or it could be something really significant but like yeah what do you think you're still figuring out in your 30s everything like <laughs> I do I, I think that lately what's been huge for me is like well, finance is one, but also <laughs> like <laughs> huge, like you think, you think you have it sorted. Anyway, I, it's just, yeah, that's a huge thing for me at the moment. Um, but just like really like, you know, we always say like figuring out what's important and focusing on that, but really actually trying to keep like focusing on this is what's important. Like it doesn't actually, I find that really hard to do and I'm still figuring out how to keep yeah I don't know keep things in perspective and not yeah get well I'm sure this experience with Barry's helped you find that a little bit yeah and just kind of keep make it clear constantly pulling myself back on track though and like no, no 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 none of that actually matters or those things aren't important or you can't control that I really struggle with I want to fix everything or I want to be able to make things better and I, there's certain things that I just can't control so yeah I'm still <laughs> figuring out how to just worry about the things that I can control and that affect me and my little family and yeah but honestly everything like still figuring out how to be a good parent how to be a good wife how to you know keep money in my bank account all of those things you know (laughs) yeah I think it's going to be a forever thing 
yeah and a true collective mood um <laughs> but Tess thank you so much for for coming on and, and sharing your experience like I think yeah it's just a story that absolutely needs to be shared and I'm so happy for you so enjoy I guess enjoy the new family too like enjoy everything that's to come with Barry and, and Di and his whole family thank you Bridget and thank you so much again for having me on it's been such a pleasure to chat about this I love talking about it so thank you so much yay thank you oh that was so good thank you so much If you want to hear more from Tess, make sure you check out her own podcast. It's called The Interview, and I've included the link in the show notes of this episode, as well as the episode link to the recording that she did with Barry about this huge discovery, so you'll actually be able to hear them talking together. Thank you so much for listening to Figuring Out 30. I'm Bridget Husswaite, and it would mean the absolute world if you could review and rate this podcast, if you share it with anyone who you think may enjoy it. This is an entirely independent project produced and presented by me on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'll catch you next week. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.